You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome to the Dado Download Podcast, a part of the Peristyle Podcast family of shows. On this podcast, we focus on the greatest college baseball program in all the land, the USC Trojans, winners of 12 national championships. Yeah, that's twice as many as the next closest school. I'm Shotgun Spratling alongside co-host Jack Smith, who along with being an intern at uscfootball.com, is also your future favorite baseball play-by-play voice. You can listen to Jack on the call of some of the USC baseball games, both on KXSC Student Radio and on the Pac-12 Network School Broadcast. Jack, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. There's four home games at Dado Field this week, so I've been preparing for those and been preparing for having a special guest on the podcast today, Shotgun. That's right. We do have a special guest. we got something special for our listeners this week. In this episode, we'll have the man in charge of trying to restore the USC baseball program to its past glory, first-year head coach Andy Stankowitz. Andy, thanks for taking the time to join us, especially after a tough weekend in Corvallis, a long Sunday night trying to get home to Los Angeles. You know, How, how are you guys feeling uh, kind of bouncing back from, from this past weekend? Uh, we're good. Um well, thank you for saying Jack is a special guest. I'm not sure there's a whole lot special about me, but, uh, <laughs> but that was nice of you to say. Um, yeah, hey, man, it was a tough weekend. Um, Oregon State is good, as you know. They've done a great job. And um, Coach Cam and his staff has got a, a physical team that plays really good baseball, and they pitch, they pitch well. And, and um, we kind of found ourselves in a tough way. But, um, you know, you get back home and get back to Dado and – get back to Los Angeles and, um, and get back to work. So um, we, we learned from the past and we don't dwell on it. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah. You guys went into this weekend, you're riding a five game win streak and winners of 15 of 18 and you lose three pretty tight games, even the 10 to four loss on Friday, you know, they, they kind of separated there at the end. What was kind of your big takeaway from the weekend going on a, in a conference, you know, a, a tough environment, probably the toughest environment in the Pac-12 going up there to Goss. What did you take away from, from this weekend, uh, you know, seeing your team play a, against Oregon State? Um, we got to get better. We got to, um, that's, an, that's one of the, the next steps is going on the road um, in the Pac-12. And like you said, that is um, um got a great fan base there they're loud and uh that was probably the first time i felt like um people were kind of like um uh, just razzing the guys a little bit as far as fans which is good it's college baseball it's that's what it should be and so um um so i think it was loud and um and so i just felt like in those moments our guys kind of just didn't feel as comfortable as we felt and so that's that's part of our growth too is is being in a, in a tougher environment where elements are against you, crowds against you, you got a really good opponent. Um, so just being able to rise above all those obstacles. And so I don't I don't know that we we did a really good job of that. And that's everybody, not just the players. I'm talking about coach staff as well. And so um so it's good though. That's that's how we're gonna grow. And um, you know, you go through those those growing pains and that was a, a challenge and um I don't I don't think we we did as good a job as we would have liked while we were there. And so um but um but there's always room for growth and we're going to get there. 
only your second series loss of the year. And I remember talking with Shotgun about the last one that came at Auburn and what you guys learned from then realizing at that point, despite not winning a game out in Alabama, that that, that you guys could really compete this year. What, what do you think is one thing that you learned about this team coming away from this series, just your second series loss of the year? Well, like I said, um, Jack, we got we got we got to make adjustments. And sometimes sometimes those adjustments are made in the middle of a bat in the middle of a game. We didn't we didn't adjust very well offensively. Um, they continue to, to basically approach our hitters the same way, and our, our guys continue to 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 have the take bad swings on some tough pitches, and and um, and you know when you do that, and they just they stayed there, they stayed in you know, a lot of off speed stuff, and they stayed there. Our guys, um, you know, didn't want to make some adjustments, and the result was we didn't swing the bats very well, um, um, and so we were we're better than that. And I think part of that our development is understanding like, hey, if someone's going to get you out and they and they've gotten you out a certain way, they're, they're not going to change. They're going to keep they're going to keep that same approach, and so. So our young guys, you know, got to understand that um, everybody, everyone's got a different swing. You've got really good pitchers in the other dugout. You got really good pitching coaches in the dugout that understand swings and watching swings. Um, and I just thought we kind of we kind of lost our um, we lost the strike zone over the weekend. And I think uh, you know part of it we didn't it wasn't just about the hitting, but um, you know, that that certainly didn't help. The fact that we got I think we got four hits on Sunday. It's hard to win a game on a Sunday and when you only get four hits. One of the things I was impressed by was, uh, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, me and Jack, but the the way that you got, you still scored three runs on only four hits, you know, making the most of the opportunities you did have. Obviously, it just came down to getting the, the, the big hits and the clutch hits. You know, when you're coming off a road sweep, even a hard-fought sweep like this, what's the most important thing you have to do as a coaching staff to make sure it's a one weekend thing that it doesn't snowball, doesn't turn into anything larger. You know, what do you kind of attack this week in practice? I know you got a game today against CSUN, but you know, just yesterday and you know, and, and through the week uh, leading up to the weekend, what do you do to to try to get back on track? Well, I think you stay positive, shotgun. I think that's. I think our, our staff is positive people by nature. I mean, I know, um, I know, I know the game's hard, so I, I get it. Um, and I think um, getting them to to understand too that there's. You know, I told him no one said it was going to be easy, right? And, and there's there's storms are coming, and there's more storms coming, and and that's it's a there's bumps everywhere. There's bumps all over the road in life, not just a baseball season. And so, you know, they're coming, and you and you and you stay positive, man. You and you and you work, and you and you stay confident. And um, the the, the biggest challenge is when you get swept is is helping guys understand that to stay confident, right? The only way that can take away your confidence is you, right? That's you. It's up to you. And so that'll be our big selling point as we move in today and into BP and in the week is is you just gotta you gotta stay aggressive. A lot of times when you get kicked around, um you you start backpedaling and we've got to get our mindset back on on more of an aggressive mindset starting tonight. Um um not necessarily um being hesitant, but just staying aggressive. And so that's gonna be our 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 call to these guys is just be aggressive, but be smart, right? We, we, like I said, we lost our way. Just when I say be aggressive, I don't just mean swing at the, the ball in the dirt because you're somebody to be aggressive, coach. You, know, you have to be smart. You have to be aggressive with some intelligence, some baseball IQ. And so, um, but we're just gonna gonna push staying on it, staying aggressive, and and um, being the being the team that's just pushing it, not the team that's just trying to the backpedal. You guys have five straight games at home coming forward, and and you've won the last eleven at Dado Field. Do you feel like there is? a higher level of confidence for this team when playing at home? Like, is there a concerted effort to really defend the home turf? Well, I think um, that's part of it, Jack. I think, yeah, this is Dato. This is our field. We want to, we want to certainly um, defend our turf, 
But the part of it too is is typically teams play better at home. You play better at home because you have your routine. You you sleep in your own bed. You we have our own weight room. And they and, and it's just uh, guys formulate a nice routine when when they're at home. And when you're on the road, sometimes it just it's more difficult just because there's you know different environment, right? And so um, I think the part of it is yeah, the pride of of hey defending Dato, and then the part of it is just hey. We're back home again. You know, we we go, we do our cage work early, right? I guess we go there and get their swings and we get our ground balls and we, they just have a, a, a nice routine that, that's in place when we're at home. And I think that's part of it as well. It also helps when you have a packed house, especially, uh, you know, and, and getting Dato packed, I know is one of the goals. Every coach wants to, you know, have that home field advantage, like, you know, the, the Oregon State does have up at Goss Stadium. What's your pitch to fans to sh- why they should come out this week? Um, you know, playing CSUN on Tuesday and then hosting UCLA, the rivalry series. What, what's kind of your pitch that for fans to come out to Dato for this weekend and then and the rest of the season as well? Well, I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's a great, obviously, UCLA, USC is, is a great rivalry. And so I think it's to be exciting. It's good, good baseball there. I mean, what Coach Chavez has done there is, is, tremendously impressive he's had a lot of success and um it's going to be a um a huge challenge but at the same time but um i think it'll be a, a nice big crowd um hopefully they'll bring some folks over from from their side and we'll get a lot of folks from on our side as well and so that's that's the fun of it man we all we, everyone's playing in front of a big crowd it's loud and um, kind of going back and forth at each other and i think it's going to be a great series um i mean i think um They've played great baseball. They're fundamentally really sound. We've got to be able to to match them. Um, they can pitch. Um, we can pitch too. We've been pitching. We've been throwing the ball really well. So I think it's going to be a great weekend. I don't want to get ahead of it, obviously, because we've got CSUN tonight, and CSUN's been playing great. Shoot, um, they're really good. we got a good young coach and staff. Um, so, but I think that, uh, yeah, when you think about UCLA, USC, man, that's um, in any sport. That's a that's a big deal. Crosstown rivals both trying to establish, and, and they've done. They basically established themselves in the city of Los Angeles. We understand that. So now we're the we're the upstart. We're trying to, you know, like you said earlier, restore um, um, USC baseball. And so um, we certainly got got our work in front of us, but we're excited about um, the opportunity to play them. You mentioned the strength of the pitching recently. I know Tyler and Eric ran into some trouble this weekend, but Caden kept rolling. One earned run his last 23 innings pitched. How important has his development been to the stability of your weekend series with him kind of right in the middle? Yeah, it's huge. Um, you think about the innings that he's given us. Um, you know, you, as you guys know, on a weekend, um, being able to to have the relievers kind of fresh and, and ready to move. And so that, that's been big. But I think um, he's just uh, – stable man he's just consistent i think one of the things every coach looks for is is the players consistency right and um it's hard to win games or coach players that that are good for for a day or two and then they go away for four or five days right at games and then they come back and they go away and what i've seen what we've seen in kate and Oakley, more than anything else is just tremendously consistent know know who he is he doesn't um he spots his fastball in and out up and down um could change up breaking ball and so um, he's, uh, it's not like it's overpowering, but he just, he's very effective. He can fill this position really well. Um, he's a little cat on the mound. He's, he's very athletic. And so you, when he's on the mound, um, you just feel like, okay, I trust him. I trust him to throw strikes. I trust him to fill this position. Well, I trust him when we throw for, we call for a, a, a breaking ball in the dirt. 
he's going to throw a big, big ball in the dirt. He just, he knows, he knows what he's supposed to do. And so, um, so that's, uh, I mean, it's been a breath of fresh air and obviously much, much needed. And he's a, he's a big part of our success um, in, the, in the pack early on. It's been really fun. The, the, the dynamic of him pitching to his brother. Uh, I was actually at Binghamton this past weekend. They have a beautiful $60 million facility. It's the nicest mid-major facility in all the land. So I don't know why anyone would leave there, but that just tells you the allure of being able to play with his brother. What's that dynamic been like um, having Connor behind the plate, uh, you know, catching his brother, but also what are you kind of seeing from Connor to be a veteran catcher for you when I know that was a position uh, of weakness kind of going in when you first arrived, just because you had the transfers out and the you know, catcher has become more of a strength for you. Um, well, it's, it's, it is interesting that they're, they're both, um, um, very reserved. They're not, they're not like, you know, loud, um, men, um, keep to themselves pretty good. But I think between themselves, they're obviously got a great relationship. Um, but it's just, it's just, uh, I guess it's comforting knowing that the two brothers are out there and they're both really good at what they do. You know, um, I think that's part of when you coach young men is building, having to uh, trust them. And we certainly trust the two of them. Um, you know, it's uh, um, they 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 do get a little rambunctious at times. I think Caden probably more than Connor. I think Connor's more a little bit more reserved, but Caden um, seems to to be a little more outspoken. But uh, um, but no, man, they're great. A great young man, um, and they've been uh, they've been it's been really cool to coach them. They work hard. They're very competitive. Um, um, Caden's a little bit more verbal in his competitive nature, where Connor's a little bit more reserved. But uh, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's been kind of fun, I, and I think hopefully they both tell you that they certainly are glad that that. And I think part of it too is coming back home. They they're both here from Orange County, and the fact that they get a chance to come back home to and finish out you know their careers is, is a is a pretty cool thing. And so, um, but we're just uh, we're excited to have them. We're, we're we're really grateful to have both of them. You know, it seemed like one of the big highlights from this past weekend was the bullpen. And, you know, they've been pretty rested because the starters have been so good recently. But you had to use some of those, you know, back end of the bullpen, high leverage guys in the close games. And, you know, they really stepped up thinking of, you know, Wish and Clark. How important has the development of the bullpen been? And, you know, what has allowed them to step up uh, this year? Well, it's it's, it's crucial, right? That you look at the success of any team um, at, you know, at the halfway point or maybe a little bit over is, is the successful ones. Um we're going to have a bullpen that's been really consistent, solid. And, and, and you're right. You look at, um, you know, Garrett Clark, Wish, Kyle, um, Josh Blum has been very good. And um, Kane Connolly, you look at those four guys for us. Um, they've been, they've been solid, man. They've been giving us great innings. And so that'll be key, man, as we move forward is that, you know, we used on Saturday, we used, wish in Clark for a bit we're in locked in a tight one and um um kind of be hey man we're in a position to win that game we're gonna we're gonna do what we can throw our best and so um didn't get the win but we we were I thought we were competed well we we went to go 13 innings and we were in a, in a good spot to hopefully get that one but we didn't but but those guys have been they've been stellar man they just um they pound the zone you know they they got good two pitch mix and they're hard. They got good velo. The ball's got some movement. They got a good off speed pitch to go with it. So the competitive, um, now, nah, man, they've been, uh, they've been terrific. Like you said, and we just, and you worry sometimes about overusing some of those guys because you do use them a lot. Right. And so I think that's part of as we move forward is making sure that and that's why developing the guys underneath them is are so important to where maybe there's a moment where we can 
give them a blow, right? And maybe throw them one inning instead of two or three, because we've got some of the guys that, that we've developed. And that's Coach Atherton's done a great job with those guys, man. They're buying in. I mean, um, they they trust him. They're in the bullpen working on their deliveries every day, and um, it's uh, it's paying off. One last one before we, we get you out of here. You got a little taste of the USC UCLA rivalry during the college, the Southern California College Baseball Classic. Got one game against them. You get your first opportunity to play them at Dado, first one that counts for the standings. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of curious about your expectations for the rivalry, but I'm, I'm more curious about you've been a part of some notable baseball rivalries uh, from your playing career, Red Sox Yankees, from you know coaching Arizona State, Arizona, and even at Grand Canyon, it was a pretty nice rivalry budding there between Arizona State and, and Grand Canyon. What's your favorite rivalry story uh, from either your playing days or your coaching days? And then we'll let you get out of here, Coach. Um, well, probably. Um... Shoot, um, probably Yankees, Red Sox. Um, and just because I remember playing, I think, I don't know, it might have been opening day, 92. And uh, we were at home playing the Red Sox. And uh, obviously packed house. And I remember I, I grew up here, right, in Southern California, Dodgers and Angel games. And, uh, and so I'd been to some opening days and they're exciting. But I think I remember watching, I didn't, play that day but in the dugout I, I think i saw like five fights in the stands um yankees red Sox, right fans going at it and i was like god th- this i realized very quickly that yankee fans and red Sox fans they don't they don't go to the game for entertainment they go to the game to see their team win whether it be the yankees or the red Sox. that's why they're there they're not there to have a dog and a beer and soda and peanuts they're there to see now growing up here in socal you know a lot of times you go to a game because you want to have a Dodge dog and, and right. And so it's more entertainment, but I realized very quickly that, that, uh, that Yankee Red Sox thing, it's not about entertainment. It's about, it's about win, man. And so it was, uh, I, I, I enjoyed, um, my time when we played at Fenway and obviously we played it, uh, um, cause I, cause the crowd, the crowd is just so into it, man. They're just so intense. Um, and that, that, that's what made the difference. I was fortunate enough to go to the ALCS the first time the Rays hosted and they were playing the Red Sox and the Rays fans were not prepared. They did not, they did not know how to handle it with the kind of the influx of Red Sox fans coming in. And you you mentioned there were probably five fights there. There were at least 30 people thrown out that night on the game one of the ALCS just because they they couldn't take it. I had a woman in front of me, the front the row in front of me, throw a shoe across at a bunch of guys. So, you know, it was, it was a crazy atmosphere and really fun. Obviously playoff baseball is always fun. And that's a little bit of a rivalry there. The AL East, uh, you know, the Rays have done a good job of, of catching up. It'll never be anywhere close to Red Sox Yankees, but this weekend's rivalry series should definitely be a fun one. We hope all the fans come out in full force, make it an incredible atmosphere. But, Andy, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the down, the Dado Download Podcast. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Shotgun. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. Yep. With that, we're going to jump into our break, and then we'll be back with Jack and I taking a little deeper look at the past weekend and looking forward to this week's matchups as well. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, everyone, we hope you enjoyed that interview with USC head baseball coach Andy Stankiewicz. And now we'll get into the regular segments of this show. We're going to recap USC's past week where they went one and three, including that sweep against Oregon State on the road in which they fell all three times. And then we're going to look at where the Trojans stand right now in the rankings, the standings and their RPI before we get into a little preview for the four games the Trojans have at home this week. One against CSUN today, if you're watching this on Tuesday, and then the weekend series against UCLA. But Shotgun, we got to talk about this past weekend. USC drops all three games in Oregon State. Friday, it was a 4-10 to loss. Saturday, it was a 3-2 to loss in 13 innings, a really heartbreaker loss where USC pitched their hearts out but just could not get that one hit that they needed. And then on Sunday, they fell 3-6 to in the final game of the series. Yeah, I think we should go back to Tuesday. I mean, uh, they played Kyle State Fullerton, a team that is right now might be the favorite to win the Big West. Uh, he's playing really well. Um, has taken some big series in the Big West. And you saw USC's ability to answer. I thought that was really interesting watching that game. The fact that Fullerton ties the game in the sixth or seventh inning and USC answers and retakes the lead. Um, you, you have also Austin O'Vern continued to excel, was outstanding in that game. Um, those were kind of my takeaways from that game, along with Black, Blake Sodderson was outstanding for five innings. And that's something that's interesting because USC started him because they didn't have to use him much last weekend. Well, on Sunday of this week, Eric Hammond goes three innings, so then they have to go to Soderston, um, and he pitches, uh, I think it was 65 pitches. So I doubt we'll see him today on Tuesday against CSUN more than an inning at all, uh, whereas you know last week they were able to use him as a starter, and you, you feel more confident when he's on the manager starter versus, all right, we're piecing things together as a bullpen day, which is what they may have to do against CSUN. So that tells you, that kind of just shows you the dynamic of how the weekend before can lead to the weekend ahead. And you know, your Tuesday start can you know affect or can be affected by your weekend because obviously the weekends are more important. Those are your conference series. So I, that was one of my big takeaways from the Fullerton game. I don't know about you if you had anything specific on the Fullerton game, but I thought it was a really nice win for USC to find a way to win after kind of giving up that lead late um, and, and being able to to be able to answer back and, and you know get a win against a team that's going to be have a solid RPI as well. Yeah, I think it tells you a lot about a team that when they give up a lead, especially late in the game, you know, a lead that they had held for a couple innings, they immediately responded. It was that next half inning uh, they brought across two runs. Connor Aoki hit a big double over the head of the shortstop, and then Carson Wells hit a single. It was his second RBI of the day. You know, I think one was a, a bunt, a bunt, a squeeze for an RBI, and the other one a single through the right side, but they really just responded immediately and they got runners on and brought them in. And that's, you know, what we had been seeing all the way up until this Oregon state series is that they were able to get that hit when they needed it to, you know, tie a game or take the lead or extend their lead, which I think they've done a really good job of doing. Cause they didn't just stop at one run to make it three, two, they added another one, which ended up being the game winning run because they allowed a run in the ninth inning, but they were able to close it down after that. Um, it was really the first tight home game they've had in quite some time. And I think it was a good sign to see that they're still able to win those tight games at home uh, where they have to respond after losing a lead. 
Yeah, I, I thought it was really important for them to get that insurance run. It shows you how valuable it is to, you know, when it becomes a one-run game at the very end as well. Um, and then we move to the weekend. A lot of confidence for USC, but you're going into a treacherous place. Goss Stadium is definitely the the toughest uh, environment in the Pac-12 to play in. You know, the fans are rowdy there. They're yelling some nonsensical things. You know, I, I don't remember which game it was, the Saturday game or the Friday game, but the uh, – the crowd mic was out for the Pac-12 network, and you hear one individual or a couple different individuals, but one individual in particular, and you're just like, why would you say that? Why would that be the thing you're yelling at an opposing player? Like, that's just dumb that you're but that was, you know, that was something that you deal with. But their fans are definitely into it, and they they really, you know, most of them really know their baseball, so it's a really fun atmosphere, but it's a tough place to play. And so I thought it would be really interesting to see how USC responded to that. You know, they haven't played this type of series yet. And how would they respond to it? And I thought it was a mixed bag a little bit, to be honest. You know, I, I thought that, you know, the game was actually closer than 10-4. I think it was uh, 6-4 late. And then, you know, Oregon State got a run. And then Oregon State separated in the ninth inning with a three-run. So, you, you know, there was chances for USC, too. I thought it was a weekend of missed opportunities, but particularly on Friday and Saturday, Friday, you know, they get a double to start the top of the third inning from Johnny Olmstead, and then he gets left stranded. They failed a sack bunt attempt, and that's something they've been really good at. And that's kind of, okay, there's the pressure getting to a team. You know, you're playing in a different environment. You know, those are the type of things you start looking at. You know, and they had a chance, you know, late they had the, the bases loaded, uh, and Cole Gabrielson hits a ball to the warning track. It doesn't get out. Uh, you know, it goes from potential being a grand slam, being a one-run game, to, okay, it's a, it's a sack fly. And they only got one run from that bases loaded situation. That ended up being something that became a theme throughout the weekend. Is just not capitalizing fully, uh, and that's again the missed opportunities. But especially in bases loaded situations, they had three or four where they got one run at max instead of being able to get that big inning. So you give credit to Oregon State for being able to, their pitching staff being able to get out of those jams. But also those are the ones where okay, we need somebody to step up, and get that big hit, and like you said, that's what they had done so well. You saw it from from Aoki and the in the Cal State Fullerton game, uh, and you've seen it throughout the season. Part of the reason why they've won a bunch of close games, but they didn't do that against Oregon State, and that really re- reared its head starting on Friday, but then also um, as the as the uh, the weekend progressed. Yeah, you know, you just look at, you know, a lot of the hitters that have done a lot of damage for USC and there were struggles up and down the board. You mentioned Cole Gabrielson, who he ended up not starting on Sunday, which was the first time that he didn't start a game this year. Um, And, you know, Austin Overn, he hit a home run on Friday, but three for 13 struck out six times on the series. You had Bryce Martin Grudzalonic, who was three for 11. There's just not a lot of hits to go around, especially at the top of the order. And then you look at Oregon State and they capitalize. You know, Tyler Stromsborg has been really good for USC, but the top three in the Oregon State lineup on Friday combined for nine hits. That's Travis Pazana, Garrett Forrester, Micah McDowell. They were just every time that they came around their top of the order was getting on and it's just they were able to capitalize and bring in the runners that got on base which is something USC's normally been good at but really struggled and you know you never know whether it's because they were on the road because of the environment it's hard to tell but it, it felt like the offense that we have seen have such a good approach um, do all the little things right they just weren't clicking the same way that we have seen them in the past uh, and and I think that was kind of their undoing. Now, I do want to give some credit to Tyler Stromsberg. His numbers look much worse than he pitched uh, watching that game. He left a couple pitches up in the zone that went for hits, and he gave up a home run. But, 
He also gave up several choppers, kind of went through the, you know, between the shortstop and the third baseman. Uh, you know, it just it seemed like there wasn't a lot of luck on his side, but he still gave USC six innings. And that's really important on Fridays is to at least get six innings out of your starter so that your bullpen's not overtaxed, and especially a bullpen like USC's that has basically four guys. Like, like Coach Sanko has talked about is that there's not a ton of depth there yet, and they're still building that, and that's something they got to do. Um, but, you know, the – Caden Connolly has been one of their really good guys, but the bottom of the eighth inning, this was the difference in in that game for me. You're keeping the pressure on it. Oregon State, a team that you know is, is uh, had a losing record two weeks ago in the the Pac-12. In the bottom of the eighth, it was an 0-2 count, two outs, no one on, and Caden Connolly walks. Gavin Turley. Now, Gavin Turley is going to be a superstar in the Pac-12, but he's been struggling recently. He's a freshman. Um, and then, you know, you try to fill – Ethan Hedges tries to fill the ball away from the bag when he should have stayed home. Bryce Martin, Grezzelanek gets to the grounder, and there's no one to throw to at first base. So, like, these small mistakes started adding up for USC. The the runner beats out that. So, you know, you, know, you have two guys on. It ends up turning into a three-run inning when it had been 7-4. And, hey, you're, you know, you're one swing away from being in striking distance. But you're probably not scoring three runs against Oregon State's closer. Ryan Brown is really, really effing good. But it could have been a more stressful ninth inning than it ended up being. And then that puts pressure if you can get, you know, make him throw some stressful pitches. Okay, now he's not available to come back the next day, which is what happened. He came back on Saturday. So the accumulation effects, you know, was happening for USC where they were making some mistakes on Friday. They ended up paying uh, and making an impact later in the weekend as well. Because if you can get Ryan Brown and you stress him out, okay, now they're not going to bring him back on Saturday. That game goes 13 innings. If they don't have Ryan Brown, that's two innings where, you know, you're you're basically not going to get anything done against uh, against them. So, you know, it's similar to when Garrett Clark came in for USC on Saturday. He was lights out, three in his pitch, no hits. He had one walk. I think he hit a batter, but two Ks. You know, so he cruised through those three innings. You, you got to be able to, you know, um, tax a closer if you're going to face him. If you have to face a closer on Friday, that may, it usually means you're losing the game, but you need to tax them so they're not available to come back for multiple innings, uh, you know, in the weekend. And that's something that USC wasn't able to do. And, I, again, missed opportunities on Saturday – you know, they only got one run. It was on a safety squeeze in the top of the sixth when Oregon State, you know, they tried to get a, uh, out at the plate. They had an error. So they had the bases loaded, one out for O'Vern, who's been red hot up until that point. He strikes out. And Grezelanek has an opportunity. He hits a, hits a chopper to third base. So there was those missed opportunities uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, O'Vern being thrown out at third base in the ninth inning. You know, just small mistakes that seem to add up for them. And I think that's the, the type of weekend that you look at and you go, okay, we got to learn from this, got to get better. And, you know, listening to, to Andy Stankowitz talk about it, that's exactly the way they kind of took it as well. So how do they bounce back from that? That's going to be a, a really good question. How does Austin O'Vern, how does Cole Gabrielson bounce back? Because I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, you know, Austin O'Vern being a freshman, there's going to be a weekend where someone figures him out and says, okay, we got his number, and then – or now UCLA is going to replicate that, or at least try to. They're going to, okay, we watched the video, what, what just happened. We're going to do the exact same thing. And unless he makes an adjustment, it's going to, that's when you get into a funk a little bit. So does Austin O'Vern make an adjustment? Does Cole Gabrielson make an adjustment to get back on track? So that'll be the big thing this week, I think. Um, and, you know, <laughs> on Sundays, Andy was mentioned that, you know, if you only get four hits on a Sunday, you're usually not going to win. USC was – 0 for 9 with two outs, 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. Now, they did get the leadoff men on four times. They showed their ability to manufacture. They scored four runs on three hits. 
They were 10 of 17 on advancement opportunities and three or four on getting uh, the run home from third with less than two outs. But they still never got the big hit. You know, they got the ground out to get one run in, but when you got the bases loaded, I, I, rather than, you know, runners at first and third, rather than having a safety squeeze, can you get somebody to hit a ball in the gap? Now you got two runs, you got somebody runners. Like those things didn't happen. I think that was the big, the biggest thing for me to take away from this weekend is when you don't get the big hit, you can still manufacture some runs. That's a positive, but you got to have some people coming up clutch, and that didn't happen this weekend. Yeah, and, you know, and we've talked about Friday and Sunday. Friday, you know, they got a couple big hits. They, they had two home runs, one from over and one from Connor Aoki. Sunday was kind of a day where they didn't really get the big hit, but they were able to manufacture a couple runs. And Saturday's right in between. They didn't get the big hit. They couldn't manufacture many runs. And you lose a 13-inning game in which your pitching staff, uh, it was Aoki for six, Wish for two, Clark for three, and then Fisher Johnson for one and a third, only give up three runs. They they only gave up eight hits in general over the the 13 innings, but USC only had six hits. They They walked four times, but it just wasn't enough. They in the extra innings could just not could not just get a run across and um just missing you know that the big hit they've hit home runs they've hit doubles at home they just could not get one across uh in that Oregon State Saturday game and you know I think that's one they'll want to have back because when your pitching staff can throw a gem like that across you know the 13 innings that they had to pitch through you, you really want to come out of that with a win and that would have uh, you know, that would have tied the series up at one apiece going into the rubber match. You know, maybe there's a little bit more confidence going into the Sunday game. Uh, and, and, you know, we mentioned that USC had put themselves in a really good spot in the conference that all they had to do was just, you know, keep churning out conference wins. They went from nine and three in, in the Pac-12 to nine and six in just the blink of one weekend. So I think that Saturday one that ended close three to two is one they're really going to want back. Yeah, definitely, because that kind of affects how the Sunday goes, too. You've used your best relievers, you know, so now you, you're trying to ride your starter a little bit longer. You're trying to ride Blake Sutterston a little bit longer. Um, and it, it came down to the offense. I thought the pitching did enough, especially those last two days. The offense just wasn't good enough this past weekend. And, you know, the final 17 innings of, of the series, uh, or at least, you know, the, the final eight innings of relief from Oregon State in that 13-inning game, USC had three hits, and they struck out ten times. And then on Sunday, USC had four hits and they struck out nine times. So, you know, in 17 innings, USC struck out 19 times and only had, you know, what was it, seven hits? Uh, so that's not going to get it done, you know, obviously. So I, I think the big thing is can they learn, can they grow from it? And this Again, this is still a young team, it's still a team that's learning and finding their way, a team that doesn't have a ton of experience. So I think they can bounce back from this. But I think it's very important that they do that starting on today when they play CSUN later later this evening, if we get this uh, podcast. I've you guys listened to it before this game, but I, I think it'll be uh, important for them to start there. Uh, and you mentioned that they they slid down to 9-6 and six in Pac-12 play. They're now tied for fifth with Oregon. Oregon had a really big weekend uh, going and taking two or three at Stanford. Um, so, you know, USC's in the mix. They're right there in the mix, and this is where we kind of expected them to. But I think it's it was a it was a big blow to them to get swept. You never want to get swept on the road. You want to at least get that one when you're facing a, a quality opponent like Oregon State. You want to ideally, uh, ideally, you want to sweep at home and win the series on the road. But if you lose the series, you got to at least take one because when you get swept, it just it takes such a big uh, hit to your your standings and whatnot. So USC goes from one of the top three teams to now being tied for fifth. So fifth or sixth there. They're a half game behind UCLA, who they will play this weekend. But more importantly for USC is they dropped 10 spots in the RPI. And a lot of times when you play a really good team, your RPI might go up even if you lose. Um, but Oregon State's RPI is not 
outstanding. Now I may continue to get better as the season goes along because I think they are found out, found themselves and figured out what they can do. And now you're seeing them get hot. They won a series out of Oregon last weekend. Um, so I, I think that that'll he keep going up as far as that, that, that opponent RPI, but USC at number 77, they're not getting in the NCAA tournament with at 77. They've got work to do. You know, they dropped 10 spots from last week. They had made some ground up. They have been 80 something and they moved up into the in, inside the top 70 if they can get inside the top 60, they've got a shot. Now, if you want to be sure of getting in, if you get in the top 50, probably USC will, will lock up an a NCAA tournament bid, um, an at-large bid. But a lot of work to do to be able to get there. And they're being drugged down. That RPI is still being drugged down and will continue to be all season by one, that UC Riverside loss. That's just a terrible loss. But just playing Maris, playing Maris brings down their RPI because Maris just is not having a good year. I think they're 4-22 or something. They're just – they're terrible. And because of that, it's bringing down their entire RPI. It's been a big complaint of coaches. It's been a big complaint of us media members that cover the the, the sport nationally. It's just that the RPI can – you know, if you play a team, and you'll see – there'll be some games later this season where teams will cancel games because they don't want their RPI affected by playing a bad opponent. So – you know, that's that's just terrible for the, you know, for the, the mid-major team that's going to lose out on that opportunity to play that game anyway. So that's where USC kind of stands right now. We'll see how they bounce back from this, and we'll see what they can do, starting with Tuesday's game against CSUN. What's, what's going to mean what's going to be in your uh, – when you're looking at CSUN, what stands out about them to you? You know, I, they're, they're a respectable team, and, and you can't – like no game at this point in the season is going to be a cakewalk for USC. CSUN uh, is 21 and nine. So they, they've got a very respectable record winning 70% of their games. And we've seen USC struggle in the midweeks. They've gotten better as of late. And I think the Fullerton win was a really big one for, you know, the team knowing that they can win these, these midweek games against good teams because, you know, it had been a while since they had really been challenged at home. And so I think that, uh, CSUN coming in, it'll be really interesting to see if USC can carry that momentum from the Fullerton win. You know, try and flush the sweep and remember back to Tuesday when, which was I think a really big, you know, defining character building win for USC against a, a good CSUN team. Yeah, and, and CSUN is much better than you may think of them. You know, they're usually middle of the pack or bottom of the pack in the the Big West. But, uh, you, you know, the new coaching staff there has done a really good job so far this year. Like you said, 21 um, and 9. They're 8 and 4 in Big West play. They're right in the mix in that conference race as well. And they're coming off a week where, you know, they've won 8 of 11. Not not a week, but the, the last, you know, three weeks they've won 8 of 11. And they're coming off a road series win at Long Beach State uh, a little bit uh, this past weekend, which is huge for them. Long Beach State had been cruising in the Big West, and to be able to get that is really big for them. Jacob Simons was named the Big West Player of the Week um, after hitting 417 in three games against Long Beach State. So at seven RBIs, so they've got you know they've got some guys that are rolling right now. So to be you know be important to for USC to try to get out ahead of them and try to put their foot on the you know put the foot on the neck. Want to see if the offense can get going because that's anytime you're playing. Uh, a team in the a mid-major in the midweek is they're not going to have as much pitching depth. And that's something that USC has struggled with as well, but that's going to be the area where you can usually get to them. So we'll see uh, what CSUN does as far as our pitching, but that'll lead into a big weekend, not just because it's a rivalry weekend, but this is a battle of teams that are in the top half of the PAC 12. Now UCLA we, you know, at D1 baseball, we've kind of thought it's going to be Stanford and UCLA the entire time, but UCLA struggled. You know, they just have they haven't been healthy for one. That's been a big part of it. 
Um, and, you know, they haven't been able to get the results. And they're coming off a loss to UC Davis. Now, UC Davis is one, had, had been one of the worst programs in the nation last year and the year before. They had a big uh, turmoil. They had an investigation and everything. Their coach was fired, all this, over some hazing stuff. They're playing better this year, but UCLA shouldn't be losing to UC Davis. So they lost 6-3. to three. Um, Sundays have been an issue for UCLA. Um, they lost uh, again on Sunday against Washington State. Now, there was only two games in that series because of weather. They tied against Utah on the, the final finale of that series. They lost to UC Davis. They lost to Washington. All these the, – the series finales they've lost on. So can USC win one of the first two games and then potentially take the series on Sunday where UCLA struggled a little bit more, just not having the, the depth of pitching there as well, even though their Sunday guy might actually be their best starter in Kelly Austin. I was talking to a, another Pac-12 coach this week, and he said, I don't know why they're not pushing that guy up in the rotation because he's got the best stuff. He's the best arm there. Uh, he was the best guy that they, that they really liked. So uh, UCLA is is doing fine. They're doing okay. But – relative to the expectations are not as good as where they should be. And part of that is, like I said, they've had some injuries. Kyle Karros, the son of Eric Karros, missed some time. Um, they've had some some pitching, some guys on the pitching side have missed a couple weeks. Uh, Alonzo Treadwell, maybe their best prospect on the mound right now. He was, just was not right for a couple weeks, so they shut him down for a week. He's come back and was, was much better this past week. But then they've also have been without Dalen Reyes for – you know, basically three or four weeks now. So he's been banged up. Darius Perry missed a couple games. So they've had some injury issues. The question is, will they be healthy this weekend going in? And, you know, can you can you keep their big-name guys? Can you limit them? Ethan Gorson is going to get some hits. Deuce Gorson um, and, you know, Cody Schreier is going to get some hits. But does John John Vons hurt you? Can you pitch to John John Vons? He's a guy at the bottom of the order, ton of pop, younger brother of Tyler Vons, plays football for UCLA, uh, for the Bruins. And he's got a ton of pop. He, I think he leads their team in home runs. He's got eight home runs, but he's also struck out 44 times. So, you know, he's a guy that will swing and miss some. And he's only batting 229. Can you attack guys like that? Do those guys beat you, or can you can you just limit the, the big-name guys and, and keep the – keep the uh, the other guys in the lineup from doing anything big. I think that's kind of the key for the pitching staff in this one as well. Yeah, you know, I think it happens in most series, but I think this series specifically, it's going to come down to who can put up those crooked innings. You know, USC has shown in the past that they can manufacture runs, and that, that was a consistent thing that they've been able to do for the majority of the season is bring across, you know, a run. If they have a guy at third with one out, you know, sometimes they squeeze, sometimes they hit a sack fly. They can bring in those one runs, but they're at their best when Cole Gabrielson's hitting the ball over the fence. Nick Lopez is coming in for doubles, triples, or homers. You know, O'Vern is leading off the game with a triple, and then they score a couple runs. Like, that is when USC is at their best. UCLA is a, is a team with a lot of power. You mentioned John John Vons has eight home runs. They also, you know, have they have four guys that are six home runs or more. So there's a lot of pop in the order, and USC's starting pitching has been really good. If they give up crooked numbers, though, and they're limiting now on, you know, how far they can go into a game – then that's where you start getting tricky. So, you know, if I don't think this is going to be a huge high scoring affair where, you know, each team is going to put up double digits a game with a bunch of home runs because the pitching staffs are both really good. It's just kind of going to come down to, you know, who can put up those crooked innings, who can get those big hits and maybe just even who hits the ball over the fence more um, because these two teams have power potential. When USC doesn't hit the ball for much power, doesn't have any extra base hits, they've really been struggling recently. 
Yeah, I think the key for the offense is jumping on the starting pitchers. Uh, Jake Brooks is okay. Alonzo Treadwell, like I said, has a lot of talent, but he's had some ups and downs this season. And then Kelly Austin uh, has been really good on Sundays for them with a 274 ERA. But they have bullpen arms, and, and John Savage always knows how to manage his bullpen really well. They usually have four or five guys that they can go to and pretty consistently. Um, their closer, Luke Jewett, is actually the guy that struggled a little bit. Um, you know, He's had a couple outings where he's been roughed up. And he didn't pitch this past weekend. I haven't talked to, to anyone at UCLA um, this week, but he didn't pitch, and they had some close games. So I'm curious if if there's something going on there, if he was a little sore and they had to shut him down because um, he pitched uh, – he, he went five innings in a game uh, a, a couple weeks ago in a midweek when they went to extra innings against Long Beach State. But they have a, a freshman, Cody Del Vecchio. You don't want to keep your eyes on this kid if he comes in the game. He's got electric stuff. You know, he's got a .57 ERA. He struck out 33 guys in 31 innings. And then Charles Harrison, 33 strikeouts in 22 innings. He's got a .81 ERA. Like they got some dudes in the in the in the bullpen. So you know, the the key for me is their starting pitching is good, but it's not great. It's not Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole, UCLA. You know, it's not uh, it's not even Adam Plutko and. Uh, Nick Vandertag, UCLA, uh, these guys that are still finding their way. And Treadwell was their closer in the past, so he's kind of learning, to, relearning to be a starting pitcher. So if you can get some runs early, I think that's the key. And then, you know, if you get runs early and you take a lead, well, John Savage is not going to bring in his best arms with his team trailing. So I, I think that gives you an extra opportunity to kind of expand as well. So I, I think that's the big key for the offense in this one is getting getting some runs early, getting some runs early, put some pressure on UCLA being the ranked team, being the, the team that has dominated this series the last 10, 15 years, put pressure on them in a rivalry series, and then the crowd gets going and everything else. I, I think that would be a, it would be the thing, uh, would be the key for me for USC to try to win this series is to is to do that early and often. If you score early and often, you're gonna you're probably have a great chance at this series. Well, and I think one thing that USC has learned this year and one thing that I've at least noticed about them is it seems like their identity is more, you know, we're the band of misfits. We weren't expected to be good. You know, we were picked to come second to last in the Pac-12. Now we're going to come and upset some people. And they went into Oregon State as the ranked team, as opposed to Oregon State, who's normally, you know, in those rankings. So you're going on the road. It's even though, you know, you maybe felt like Oregon State was the better team. It's billed as, you know, an upset series victory for Oregon State now. USC has to respond from the sweep. I think they can get back, lean back more into that identity of, you know, we're being doubted. Let's go prove people wrong. Uh, and and I, and I think there's no doubt that it won't be considered an upset if you if UCLA beats USC this weekend in the series. So I think USC maybe can can get back to having the you know the chip on the shoulder, rebounding like they did from that Auburn series. And you know maybe this this sparks a second renaissance of you know what we had seen over the previous 18 games before the Oregon State series, where USC had won 15 of 18. Yeah, and some of the, the factors that I mentioned already, you know, getting out early, I think is really important. I, I think you saw in the first time they matched up when they played in the in the, the previously known as Dodger Town Classic, the Southern California College Baseball Classic, I think is what they call it now, uh, when they played on that Sunday, um, and UCLA got out to the early lead. USC got a couple runs late, but U, UCLA was able to the bottom of their order was able to get the runs. John John Vaughn's had a home run. Uh, Holman, uh, their DH had a had a du- RBI double, um, and then USC didn't didn't play good enough defense in that one either. They gave away a run, and they started to rally in the ninth. They got to Jewett a little bit because they didn't get to the any of the other bullpen arms in between. Uh, Kelly Austin throwing four and a third. It was early in the season; he was still building up. But you know the other guys gave up an unearned run over the next you know four innings. 
before Jewett came in. They got a home run against him and kind of put some pressure on him. But I think that's the key. Get to the starting pitching and then contain the bottom half of the lineup and don't let any of those guys down there, you know, be the hero in a, in a rivalry weekend. So if you can do those two things, I think USC's got a great shot at this weekend to get back on track and help themselves out in the standings. Cause you got to win those home games, particularly in the PAC 12. And I know USC, UCLA, not like it's a big travel or anything, but the fans should be out there. Hopefully we'll see a, a big crowd out there at Dato. I um, mean, it should be a fun series to, to, to be at for you, Jack, and for me to watch uh, on the Pac-12 network from afar. Yeah, and I think USC, you know, they feel really good about the two starting pitchers they have going on Friday and Saturday, Tyler Stromsborg and Caden Aoki. You know, we talked with Andy Sankowitz about Caden Aoki, and if you win one of those games, you set yourself up for a really good chance at a series win on Sunday. So I think, you know, the key for USC is one of those two starting pitchers being able to go out there, you know, be a stopper of, you know, now this three-game losing streak and get a win in game one or game two, and then you set yourself up and anything can happen on a Sunday. We'll see how it plays out. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Dato Download Podcast, part of the Peristyle Podcast family. I'm your host, Shotgun Spratling, saying thank you to everyone that's listened. Thanks to Andy Stinkwitz for coming on the show for us. Thanks to Jack for joining me. Thank you guys for for being a part of this podcast as we continue to try to grow it a little bit. You know, it's been fun these first uh, few weeks uh, of getting to talk a little USC baseball, but please like, share, subscribe. Leave us a review on your podcast listening platform, all those things. And we hope that you guys can join us for the next episode of the Dato Download Podcast.